Welcome to the Lakeside Baptist Church Podcast. We pray you are blessed as you hear the Word of God today. For more information regarding Lakeside Baptist Church, please visit lakeside.asn.au. free to take a seat. Uh, Welcome along to Lakeside. It's so good to have you here. Uh, If you're a visitor, a special welcome. Really glad that you were able to join us this morning. Uh, My name is Brayden. I'm one of the pastors on staff here, and we've been making our way through a series looking at new, uh, full hearts, sorry, new hearts of the old one. We're looking at full hearts. Uh, Trying to remember all the different hearts that we have. Uh, We're looking at full hearts, and, and this is our hope in this series, that as we draw closer to God, as we continue to fall in love with God more and more, and as we draw close to Him, that our hearts would be filled with Him and who He is, and that the overflow of that would speak into our lives and speak into the lives of those around us and draw people in the community around us towards God. That, that as we continue to, to fall more in love with God, that the overflow of that would help people to know Him, help Him to, to love Him and come into a relationship with Him. And so this week's topic is purity. We're going to be looking at purity and how, how does purity play into this? How does the purity play into us having a full heart that overflows where people would know, love, and, and have a relationship with God because of the overflow in our lives? How, how do we as a church who are on a mission to see people in our community know and love God, fall in love with Him because of our purity and our heart for God. And so we're going to start off by looking at, uh, very quickly, we're going to be looking at Psalm chapter 51. Uh, A lot of you will be very familiar with this verse, uh, but I want to springboard off it, uh, and we're going to be talking about uh, what does that mean? What does it mean for purity to be uh, part of our full hearts? Uh, It says this, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. And so this is, this is a psalm that was written by David. This is something that he sung and something that he spoke. And the, the reason that he spoke this and the reason that he sung this was because he had just been called out in some really significant sin in his life. The prophet Nathan had called him out uh, and he had realized that the magnitude of his sin And his response is to come before God and say, create in me a pure heart. And what's really interesting about David in this point is that everything had been going well in David's life. Like there'd been some troubles in the lead up to things and it had been a tough journey for him, but he was the king of Israel. That was going really well. Like his life was going well, his family was going well. He was the king of God's kingdom, and that was going really well. He was winning victories, he was in control, and everything was going really, really well until this point where David he stumbles and falls, and then things start to fall apart. And so David's relationship with his family starts to fall apart. David's relationship with God is heard, and David himself becomes a broken man as well. But the thing that we often don't focus on and think about is that this also had a significant impact 
on David's kingdom, which was God's kingdom. And there are times in life where, where we, we fail as well, right? Like that's, that's part of our life and part of the things that, that happen. Like we, we are all sinners. We all fall short. And, and that, that impacts us. We, we know how, how much our, our sin hurts us. We, we know how much our, our sin hurts our relationship with God and, and the people that, that we offend when we sin. We, we know that. We understand that. But the thing that sometimes we don't think about is how our sin impacts God's kingdom. Because there's times when, when a church community or, or big capital C church, everything's going really well. The church community, they're, they're loving God, they're obeying God, people are coming to know Jesus. There's this overflow of the church and their goodness, which sees people come to know and love God. But then there are also times when sin from within the church and, and this lack of purity damages God's kingdom. And because of that, people want nothing to do with God. Because of that, people leave the church. Because of that, people aren't able to see that the love and goodness of God in those moments because they look at the church and they see that impurity and the kingdom really hurts. And so our, our reason and our hope, that, like we're on a mission and we want people to not love and, and know God and part of that means that if, if, we are, if we are not pure, if we, if we are lazy about our sin, if we don't care deeply about how our sin impacts those things, like we, we can damage God's kingdom. And we can allow brokenness to, to damage the, the opportunity for people to love and know God. And so we're going to be looking at a passage in Matthew chapter 9 today. Um, and before we get into it, I want to quickly, um, one of the things that I want to talk about before we do that uh, is look at Old Testament purity laws. And so in, in the Old Testament, uh, one of the things that was most closely associated with sin was death. And uh, part of the, the laws for, for God to come and live with his people was these purity laws that, that meant that if you were associated with certain parts of death, you were considered impure or unclean. And, and that meant, so if you had touched something and come into contact with something that was death or associated with death, you became unclean. And, and this death would pervade uh, into the different aspects of life. So if, if you touched an, someone who was also impure, you would also become impure or unclean. And death kind of had this way of seeping into the community. If you, if you came into contact with bodily fluids, uh, you would become unclean. If you touched that person, you would become unclean. Uh, if you happened to have some sort of significant disease, which was also associated with death, you would become unclean. And then if that person was to touch other people, they would also become unclean. And so death had this way uh, of kind of seeping into the different parts of the community, uh, and people would really feel that. Because the, the, the concept of death uh, and being associated with this death meant that they couldn't come before God and worship him. So to be unclean, it wasn't necessarily so much that they, they, it wasn't considered sinful, it was a part of everyday life. But because they were associated with death, they couldn't come before God. And people wouldn't want to associate with them while they were associated with death because that too would mean they are associated with death and couldn't come before God. 
And so this was a part of everyday life for a Jew, avoiding uh, these things or going through certain rituals to try and uh, rid yourself of this impurity. So you would come and put, like, get, a, get a sacrifice performed uh, or you'd have to try and do certain things or wait certain amounts of time so that you could be clean, so that you could come before God. Because to be associated with death was to mean that you could not come and associate yourself before God. And so we're looking at uh, Matthew chapter 9, uh, verses 18 to 26. So you can follow along on the screen. So what it says, While he was saying this, a synagogue leader came and knelt before him and said, My daughter has just died, but come and put your hand on her and she will live. Jesus got up and went with him and so did his disciples. Just then a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. She had said to herself, if only I touch his cloak, I will be healed. Jesus turned to her, turned and saw her and said, take heart, daughter, he said, your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed at that moment. When Jesus entered the synagogue leader's house and saw the noisy crowd and the people playing pipes, he said, go away, the girl is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took the girl by the hand, and she got up. News of this spread through that region. Now, how does Jesus heal both of these people? Through physical contact. Now, if you were to go back to the beginning of chapter 9, Jesus heals a paralyzed man by speaking. So does Jesus need physical contact to actually heal these people? No, doesn't, but he does. And so I want you to think about the this, this, this symbolism that's happening here because Jesus just touched two people who were considered unclean. And theoretically, if you were to follow the Jewish laws, what happens when you touch someone who is unclean? you become unclean as well. The the death kind of transfers over to you, this association with death, and then you become unclean, and then you are associated with death. And so it's like this thing is kind of passed on and shared around, uh, and death pervades uh, into society. And it's a big symbol for what? Sin. Like sin is something that if you associate with it, uh, it pervades and and works its way into different areas of life. If you associate yourself with sin, uh, then it kind of of weaves around and works around. That's why the people of Israel were not to associate themselves with different nations. Because those different nations, if you associate with them, it would corrupt you and make you impure. And so this is a big reminder saying don't associate yourself with death. Remember that, that this is a bad thing and we do not want to associate because we are about life. And here Jesus comes along and there's these two people who are associated with death and Jesus touches them. But what happens? They're healed. And this is a big shift in what and how the world works and how you expect the, the world to play out. Because he, like Matthew is a very Jewish man. He's writing to some very Jewish people. And you very much expect if you touch an unclean person, that concept of association with death is supposed to be transferred onto you. But instead, what happens? Jesus' life is transferred to them. It is not death that continues to pervade into different parts of the world, but rather the life of Jesus is transferred to them. 
They are made new. They are brought life. They are brought back from the dead. They are healed. They are restored. And so there's something unique because when Jesus comes along, it is not this continued perversion of of death kind of seeping into the different parts of our lives, uh, which is a symbol for for sin continuing to kind of seep into the different parts of our lives uh, through, if we touch this, this kind of continues on and this flow and effect happens, but rather it starts working backwards where instead it is life that starts spreading into people's lives. We, we live in a world where like, we, we don't have impurity laws anymore, like we, we don't live that way, but there are different things where we, like, we kind of do have our own impu- like, unclean impurity laws, right? There are things where like, if you've done something, that defines you. Like if there's a part of your life where this has happened or you made this mistake or this thing happened to you or you did this thing, like this kind of impurity, like it follows you around and it kind of fills you up and you kind of walk around and you carry these things in your life. You walk around with this burden and like you you feel unclean and you feel impure and you feel broken and hurt and you kind of carry around this thing. And even sometimes if people know about it, they won't want to associate you either because they don't want to be associated with this thing that you've done. And so these things that you say, these things that you do, it kind of like fills up this bucket of, of impurity in your life and you kind of carry it around and, and it, it, it's painful. You feel guilt and shame for these things that you carry around in your life. And, and people are concerned that if, if they associate with you, then they might also be, like this impurity might be passed on to them. And it's a, it's a painful way to live because you become lonely and you, you're ashamed of, of who you are and what you've done. But when you come into contact with God, it is not impurity that continues to fill you, but rather it is life. And when we come into contact with Jesus, the impurity is taken away. The woman wasn't sort of half fixed. Like the woman wasn't, like the the girl wasn't kind of sort of alive. She was like, she was alive. Like there was restoration in there. Like the, the, the the impurity was taken away and the uncleanliness was taken away. The death was taken away. And when we come into contact with Jesus, these things are taken away from us and instead we are filled with life. We are no longer filled with impurity, but rather we are filled with purity, not because we have done something special, but because we have encountered Jesus. And the thing that I think is like significant about David, significant about this woman who had experienced bleeding for 12 years, and the girl who lay there dead was that all of them came into contact with God. All of them made a decision that they were going to come to God and, and, and he was going to bring them purity. He was going to bring them life. He was going to take away this association with death that was in their life that no one else could take away. 
And for us, uh, as, we, as, we, as we think about this quest for purity, uh, as we want to kind of fulfill God's mission and, and not only kind of restore our lives and the lives of people around us, as we not only want to restore our relationship with God, but as, as we go out on this mission with a hope that our hearts would overflow and people would come and know and see and have a relationship with God, uh, we go on this quest of purity and, and we do that by coming to God. It is not a we need to be more disciplined and go home and kind of like think really hard and wake up earlier and go to bed later and do all these things, but rather it is that purity is found by coming to God. Purity is found by experiencing God and knowing him and and falling more in love with him, and that is what David does. He says, come, Lord, create in me a, a pure heart. The woman who was subject to bleeding, she says, if I can just touch a little bit of Jesus, I can be made pure. And the religious leader who is the father of the girl who has died, he he says, you know what, if if God can just come and, and, and encounter this girl, she will have life. And that is that is how we find purity as well. We, we come to Jesus. We come and, and experience Jesus. We, we deal with the, these broken things in our life and, and we come to Jesus. And, and so what, what's also uh, unique about these three people is, is that all of them had a really good excuse to not come to Jesus or, or come to God. Like David, he had really stuffed up. Like he, he had really, really stuffed up. Like that. It was bad. It was really, really bad. A lot of people died. Uh, like, there's a lot of people that were very broken because of what David did. Like, if you go read the story, it's really bad. Not many people, like, you haven't done worse than him. Guarantee it. David very easily could have said, I'm too far gone. Just, like, God, God's not going to want anything to do with me. God doesn't, God doesn't want me here. God's, God's done with me. I'm too far gone. But, but what did he do? He still came to God. The woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, she was unclean for 12 years. No one would want anything to do with her. No one would want to touch her. People would be scared of associating with her or being with her. Uh, In the ancient world, if something like that was happening to you, it was because you have done something wrong. And so it's quite likely that people would have marginalised her uh, and said that the reason that you're doing this is because God is punishing you and God is upset with you. Which if if you had that going on on repeat in your brain for 12 years, you can imagine that your attitude towards God probably isn't super positive. You can imagine that she, there's no reason she would want to come to God and say, oh, like, I think God really loves me and wants to kind of make me clean. She'd be like, man, God hates me. God doesn't want anything to do. Like, I don't want anything to do with God either because he has been so mean to me and he has caused all this pain in my life. But rather, she says, if I can just touch him, I can be made healed. I can be made clean. You think of the, the religious leader with her daughter, like, people don't rise from the dead willy-nilly. It's not a thing that's kind of commonly done. Like, and for him to just say, hey, mate, like, like it's not a, like, 
Could you imagine just asking for a cold call, like, hey, can you come and raise my daughter from the dead? Could you imagine, like, how, like, Jesus hadn't done anything at that point. That he didn't, hadn't raised anyone from the dead. There was no, like, experience to kind of say that he had the runs on the board to make this happen. Like, there was two people in the Bible before that had, that had managed to do it. Like, it is, it is not like this common thing where things just easily happen. Like, he, like if anything, you'd be like, like, that, like, no one can really do this. Like, it's just, let's give up. It's too far gone. It's too late. But no, like he had all the excuses in the world to, to say, no, like it's not worth it. It's too late. It's, not, it's too far gone. But rather he comes to God and says, come give life to this girl. Come give life to this girl. And, and in life, as we pursue purity, like it means that we have to bring some of the, 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 the impure things in our lives to God. We, we, like if we want to be on this mission, if we want this overflow to, to see people to come to know, uh, see people to come to know and love God, and if we want purity to be a part of the reason that that happens, then we need to bring some things to God. And, and that's really hard because there's things that we don't want to deal with, right? Like there are things that are kind of like buried deep down in there that we, we just don't want to kind of bring to the surface. We want to forget that they happen or we want to kind of justify why they happen or we want to pretend that they're not really that important or we want to pretend that, like, God doesn't really care about this part of our lives. But really, like, these are things that, that hurt the mission of God, that hurt our relationship with God as well and hurt people around us. And God calls us to bring those things to him. That is how purity happens. It's not like this thing that we're going to side hustle and discipline ourselves more in the background and, and let God deal with the rest of our lives. These are things that we need to bring to God. That's how purity happens. That's how life is given to us. And sometimes, like, we're, we're like one of those three people. Sometimes it's like, oh, it's just too far gone. Like, there's no, there's no point. Or like, I just don't, I don't want to, like, we're just scared, or sometimes we just really love the things that we do, right? Sometimes there's things that are just really fun, and they feel good, and we kind of, we kind of find ways to justify them, uh, and we kind of be like, oh, it's okay, like, it's just a prayer point, it's not really gossip. You know, like, there's things where we, we kind of, like, we justify things and pretend that they're okay. But, but the truth is, like, we are called to be pure, and that means bringing these things to God. And we have to deal with some things that are, that are painful and we have to deal with some things that are hard and we have to bring some things to God that we really don't want to bring to him. But when we don't do that, it hurts the mission. It hurts us. It hurts our relationship with God and we don't want that. We, we don't want that in our lives. We, we, we want to be people who, who, who have life. We want to be people who are with God. We want to be people who experience the, the, the healing and, and, and the life that, that is experienced in Matthew 9. And, and, like, these things are hard. And these things are painful. And for each one of those people, I, I bet you that, that, like, there's part of them that didn't want to come to God with those things. It would have been scary. It would have been painful. It would have been hurtful. But I can tell you now, I don't think any of them regretted it. 
I don't think any of them regretted coming to God in that moment. I don't think any of them regretted taking the risk to try and, and, and ask Jesus to, to bring life into their life. I think sometimes we're scared and sometimes these things are painful. But I think nothing, nothing is better than receiving life from God. Nothing, nothing is better than receiving that life from God. And, and not only did he give us that life, but he also took that death, right? He, he was the one that ended up taking all of that death all in that one moment so that we could be given his life. Jesus died on the cross for our sins so that we could be given life. And there are moments when that's scary to hand over those things and to come to God with those things. But there is nothing better than receiving life from God. And there is nothing more exciting than being on mission for God and seeing people come and experience life because of the overflow that we have experienced in our lives. I, I want to I finish with a, with a bit of a story um, about me as a child, or like an 18-year-old, which is kind of a child probably. Um, so go easy on me. I, like, I, I just moved to Perth. And it was, it was a tricky experience for me. Like, there was things that I wasn't ready for, and there was things that were really hard for me to try and figure out and deal with. Uh, and there was one night where I, I, I just blew my cap. Like, I was so mad. And I was mad at God. Because he, like, I was like, God, like, you're supposed to be, like, where's all this life? Like, what are you doing? Like, what are you, like, I don't understand what's going on, and I don't understand why you're doing things the way that you're doing them. Like, I, I was mad. Like, I... I'm not going to lie, I said some things that I definitely should have, shouldn't have said. And I was just in the car, I was driving just off into the distance, and I was just yelling at God. I was so mad. And, and like, it was, there was, I'm not going to lie, there was four-letter words, uh, and I'm not proud of that, but I, I was 18. Uh, I've grown up a little bit. Uh, and, and so as I was driving off, uh, as my 18-year-old self, didn't really plan ahead, but I drove off into the distance, didn't think about how much fuel I had in my car, and I kept driving and kept driving and kept yelling at God, and I got to the point where I was somewhere in the middle of the bush, uh, and I didn't really have enough fuel to get home, and there was no petrol stations that were open. It was probably about midnight by this point, uh, maybe a little bit later, and so I had to sleep in my car that night, uh, and it was a Saturday night that I, I had done this, uh, and I was so mad, and I'd said so many things, and I was in this little country town, uh, and I was like... I woke up that morning, I was like, I, I said some bad things, and I'm not proud of this, and I'm really mad at God. Uh, and I was like, I probably need to go to church this morning. Uh, and so there was this little country church there, and, and I, I walked into this church. I was wearing, like, my, my tracky dacks and, like, whatever was in my car. I just slept in my car, and I was just covered in sweat, and I was, it was not good. It was definitely not uh, normal church attire. Uh, but and anyways, nevertheless, I walked into church. I was pretty sheepish as I walked in because I, I was like, man, like, this is, um, if there's any time to be struck by a lightning bolt, now's the time. Uh, and, and so I walked in, and I sat in, and this old farmer guy, he tells this story about what happened during his week. And he said, I was, I was supposed to meet up with this guy. I got a phone call, so I ended up hanging around a little bit longer. The guy never came, but I met another guy, and he randomly just gave me a notepad. Put the notepad in my little shirt pocket. Um, as farmers, always make sure you wear your nice button-up shirt when you're walking around town. Uh, and in true farmer style, he wore the same shirt the next day, didn't take the notepad out. True farmer style, the guy's working on his tractor. He's off working away, fixing something, uh, and unfortunately, something beneath him gave way and he fell off. 
And as he fell off the, the tractor and he looks down, there's a big piece of Rio bar that's sticking out of the ground, like a, just like a thin metal pole. Um, and he's like, like, I landed on that, on that piece of Rio bar, but guess what it hit? And he pulls out the notepad, and there's this big dent in the notepad in the pocket. And so, and he's like, man, like, I don't know, he just, he kind of like says in front of the whole, like, there's like 20 people here, and this random guy's just got off on stage and started talking about stuff. And he's like, I don't know what's going on, but God's in control somehow. And God, you know, and I'm, I'm like driving home, and I'm like weeping and sobbing. I'm like, oh man, like God's just like, God's got this, and God knows what's going on. And God is someone who, who brings life into every single moment, despite how broken we are, uh, and, and, and let me tell you, like, there is nothing better than receiving life from God. There are some painful moments, and there are some moments where we don't realize what God is doing, uh, but God is someone who brings life, uh, and as we seek him, he brings purity and, and life in our lives, and as we wrestle with this brokenness, God restores God brings life. And we want our community to experience that. We want people to fall in love with God because we have experienced the life that he brings. We want people to experience the, the, the junk in our life that he's dealt with and helped us with. And we don't want the junk in our lives to get in the way of people experiencing that. So if, there, if there's something in your life where you're like, there's this thing that I, I, I haven't wanted to bring it to God and I don't want to deal with it and I want to run away from it or I'm too scared, I want to encourage you, like, allow, like, come to God. Let him deal with it. If you, if you have friends around you who are, who are genuine cheerleaders in your life that want the best for you and want to bring, like, want to help you in relationship with God, come and, and go on that journey with them. Because if they are people who generally want you to have a relationship with God, they're going to walk with you through that. But let's be people who pursue God and pursue purity so that people in our community may know and love God as we have experienced. I'm going to pray and I'm going to invite... Uh, so I'm going to pray and I'm going to invite the worship team up. Um, I want to encourage you, like, let's be people who come to God. Let's not get sin in, let sin get in the way of our mission. Let's not let things come and pervade and hurt what we are trying to do. But rather, let's come to God and help let him deal with the brokenness in our life. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you that you are a good and gracious God. We want to thank you for your love and mercy and how it teaches us and shapes us. We, we want to thank you that we have examples in the Bible where when people come to you, they are given new life. They are restored. They are justified. Their, their brokenness is taken away. And so, Lord, we want to ask that you would deal with the brokenness in our life and, and, and give us the courage to come before you and do so. Lord, if there's people here who are struggling with things, who are scared of things, Lord, I want you to give them the courage that they can, they can come and find a community that is going to support them to work through those things, but most importantly, to come to you and, and let you bring life into our lives. In your name we pray. Amen.